0: ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ, Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. Think about baseball, think all night. ESPN Lafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app great
1: scott the great scott show and as they head into the final furlong all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great scott show the champion with scott Prater, steal
2: the show
3: Hello,
4: everybody, and welcome in to the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. Happy to have you guys with me. Got a great show for you this morning. Gus Caddengale coming up in just a little bit. We'll talk a little Saints, NFL playoffs, upcoming offseason, Sean Payton rumors, make some picks for the NFL divisional round. In the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk some hoops. Pels Knicks last night. We'll talk a good bit about the Cajuns. Their matchup last night at the Cajun home against South Alabama. We'll talk a little bit about the women's game as well in Boone. Eric Mouton, Ascension Episcopal coach and AD. And uh, color analyst for the television broadcast of UL Basketball. Former Raging Cajun. He's going to join me on the phone lines at 8.15. We'll dig into some... Cajun basketball talk with Coach Mouton at 8.15 this morning. And we'll have some open phone lines in the 8 o'clock hour, talk some football there as well, hoops in the 8 o'clock hour. Going to talk a good bit of – oh, and and shout-out Coach Danny out of SDM, who earlier this week, I think won his, what, 1,072nd game as head coach. He is ninth all-time in the history of high school basketball in the United States of America. Ninth all-time. Shout-out to my guy, Coach Danny. More hoops in the 8 o'clock hour. Want to open up the show tonight ranking the 8. Would you call them the Elite 8? Would you call them the Grade 8? Would you call them the, we're going to call them the Mixed 8. Because not all teams are created equal. And when it comes to the 8 teams left in the NFL playoffs, trying to rank the 8 of them, proved to be a a more difficult process than I thought. Number eight for me on the list is the 49ers. Yes, they just beat the Cowboys. Yes, they've got a kind of team in terms of how they're built to give Green Bay a game tomorrow night. And they've won eight of their last 10. When Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception, they're really good. When he does, it can be dicey. They have a great head coach. I like Elijah Mitchell, obviously. But of the eight teams left, I have them eighth on the list. I have them eighth on the list. (laughs) Number seven on the list is the Cincinnati Bengals. Their O-line is suspect. They have some injuries. Right now, it's just Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I mean, Joe Burrow's completing 75% of, of his throws. In the last five games, outstanding stuff. He and Jamar Chase, just awesome. They have 21 big passing plays. That's the most in the NFL. Uh, Next, next on the list, I think, is at 18. The Bengals have a lot of sizzle, and I like them, and I'm rooting for them, and I think they got a good shot against Titans, but they don't have a lot of stake. The Titans, my number six team on the list, they have a lot of steak, but not a lot of sizzle. And I think when you're, if you're talking about eighth on the list playing one on the list, not much of it, you're talking about seven on the list playing six on the list, you got a shot. Niners eight, Bengals seven, Titans six, number five on my list of the Rams. Matthew Stafford threw 17 times against the Cardinals. Let's not act like he went out there and just, exercised all of his demons. Tampa's going to make him throw. I mean, they're about to face one of the best defensive fronts in football. High ceiling, but do you trust them in the big moment? The Rams are five on my list. I have the Tampa Bay... Buccaneers, fourth. Their old line got a little beat up last week. Whether it be the Antonio Brown drama of a few weeks ago, guys coming back from injury but still being nicked up, not being 100%, not having Chris Godwin. This Bucks team does not have the momentum at this moment in time that they had last year at the time. So I would put the uh, the Bucks at four. Number three to me of the Buffalo Bills. They, they're coming off their best game of the season. The best game of the 21st century. They could not have played a better game against the Patriots on Saturday night. They scored a touchdown on every offensive possession except the last one. where they took a kneel down. Yeah, the wind chill was below zero. It's not going to be as cold in Kansas City. This is a Bills team that whooped up on Kansas City. Granted, that was all the way back in what week six, week five, back in week five. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute since that game. You know, that was in early October. Here we are. It's January twenty first. Be twenty second by the time the two teams play. I don't think you can really put much stock into that Bills Chiefs game from earlier this season. Because the Chiefs are a different team now. The Chiefs, not number two on my list. Well, yeah, they're number two on my list. I have them as the second-to-best team left in the postseason. For all the obvious reasons. Patrick Mahomes, that offense, clicking in rhythm. Number one on the list is the Packers. They're at home. They're taking on a Niners team that I think is, of the eight teams, left number eight on the list. They have rest. Devontae Adams. It's odd in that the games in Green Bay and the weather conditions favor the Niners' style of play. Tell you what, if Green Bay played in a dome, they'd have more Super Bowls. As Crazy as that sounds. At least under Aaron Rodgers. I mean, their offense is a dome type of offense. But this is a Packers team. They usually win in the divisional round. Now you get to the, you know, (laughs) get to the NFC Championship, we'll see. Green Bay is a six-point favorite. They will win. They will cover. Weather forecast, I think, is 12 degrees for Saturday night or, uh, yeah, Saturday night at Lambeau. Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Bills playing on the 23rd. Excuse me, not the 22nd. Playing this Sunday. We'll make some more picks for those games. That is coming your way. Up next, when Gus Cangale joins me, we're going to talk a little bit about the Saints, the Sean Payton rumors, his future. We'll make picks for the divisional round after that. We'll uh, talk some hoops, Cajuns, L's, among other things. Eric Mouton scheduled to join me at 8.15 this morning, guys. Give me all you got. Give me all you got on a Friday. Stick with it. This is Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
0: (laughs) ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
5: That's a record.
4: into the great Scott show on a friday it is the seven o'clock hour coming up at 8 15 this morning eric Mouton will join me we'll talk a little cajun hoops and college hoops with him talking a good bit about the nfl divisional round coming up this weekend and here to join me now for our pro nola segment saints and pelicans correspondent from espn 100.3 in new orleans Mr. Gus Cattengill, my good friend. Good morning, Gus. I know you celebrated a birthday this week, man. Happy birthday. Belated as far as uh, on our end here from ESPN Laugh. Good one.
1: I did, man. It was uh, not too bad. got to try to win on that Monday and uh, got to hang out with the family eventually when I landed back night. but all safe and sound and all good, man. Thank you.
4: Good stuff, brother. Well... Um... Let's let's start with uh the NFL. I want to talk some about this divisional round with you, but let's start with Sean Payton, right? Seems like every year there's um rumors about Payton maybe wanting to go, Dallas having some interest, and usually it turns into nothing. And and I think that's probably where this is going. There is a little bit more chirping this year though, right? I mean, I was talking to Nick Underhill this week. He's like, "Yeah, you know, this year it does seem like it's it's a little more than normal." How much has that been a topic of conversation on your airwaves this week, Sean Payton and his future?
1: I mean, it has, but that's interesting you and Nick think that. I don't, as opposed to this, like, as opposed to years where it's not mentioned. I mean, I think when they were in their seven and nine seasons, I used to joke all the time when I had Larry on and Larry Holder, the athletics would talk about this where eight or seven and nine, and they got like two extensions, you know? Um, so I, I don't see this really as, as a ton at all because, what, is it two people? Two reports, right? One of my first football talk in Lombardi. I mean, that, that's it. And they're saying that they're hearing. But, I mean, unless, you know, mixing locker rooms and coaches or something of like that nature or capable coaches saying it, But we're basing how much chatter is happening off of what I recall being two reports. Now, one of
4: which was erroneous in terms of Lombardi saying he's in the last year of his deal, which is not, which is factually untrue.
1: And that report was about him wanting to retire. Right. And and, I mean, here's the thing, Scott. When I initially saw this a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever. First thing popped in my head is I literally wrote it on a sticky note on the wall. Here comes a new contract extension. I mean, that's literally what I thought, okay? Um, the fact that somebody would even spend two minutes insinuating that Sean Payne wants to retire is literally somebody that has not followed the team. Because, I mean, you know, we'll get to Dallas if you'd like. But to me, when you start out and double down on it, they we went on the WWL Airways this week as well. And talked about it. That makes zero sense to this guy. Because if you've covered the Saints and you guys air the games, you guys play the sound bites in your show, that guy was as driven as I've ever seen him really think it, right? He was a guy that consistently talked about what it takes to battle through all the adversity. He talked about Several times he was asked on Mondays after games, game, you know, how do you navigate through you know, the five game losing streak? And, and thoughts such as, hey, you know, you battle battled here, you have to leave. Those guys depend on you. You have to come in, focus on certain aspects, but it's all we know how to do. And if, if there was ever a reason for a season, we just sort of feel, you know what, leap it. And uh, I'll call it a day or you know, I I've had enough for this. We look at body language and Scott, you and I in our field tend to listen to what people say, how they say it and our say mannerisms when those people are doing that or saying those words. Urban Meyer, the clear example of a man that looked defeated, not in the right mind space, headspace. And you could see the writing on the wall, right? No eye contact, head was always down, avoided questions, um, just no energy, no tone. You could see them on the sideline. That doesn't at all describe Sean Like that's not even remotely cool. So, I again, you haven't paid attention. You, you haven't followed them um, because someone is mentioned as a person be good for an organization doesn't mean that they're going there or there's interest. Look, I don't know Sean from anybody different than most of your listeners. I've not covered him. I know him I mean, he,
4: the difference is he's yelled at you before. It. I mean, he's called you and yelled at you right. before. And our <laughs> listeners have never had yeah. that happen before from Sean Payton.
1: That's what I'm saying. So, you know, the thing is, I don't know what's in his house, how his family feels how he feels what motivates him what's his ultimate goal but i can make certain assertions or assumptions assumptions based off of what i've seen in 16 years guys. and i think it would take an awful lot for that man to jump into a circus for the sake of what national media wants you to believe because of a brand name okay despite all the things that the Saints had this year, they don't even in the playoffs. Dallas has much better talent on the offensive side, good defense as well, Parsons and Diggs, you could argue, right there with the best two players of the Saints. And they won 12 games. And Scott, this week, Dak Prescott congratulating fans for throwing trash at the referees. Mike McCarthy's being asked um, does he have jobs secure? They won 12 games. And last year, everyone gave him a pass because they lost that Prescott. St. lost their starting quarterback, played four this year and almost made the playoffs. So, it's just nuts to me to hear people go, wait, Dallas. And I, I would say two things to that. There's something to be said with the relationship you have with management, ownership, and the city, and control of the media, which he has. All three here. He's going to be the highest or top three highest paid coaches as long as he's here. He's currently the third, third highest he's contract. currently it's the third
4: big. highest paid yeah. coach in the league.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And he if he wanted it, he'd be the highest. So he gets anything he wants. And more importantly, I think to any of this is what is your legacy? What do you want to leave? whether it's look you're seeing it right now with the lakers i mean i talk about this all the time with nba no one can consider and think of lebron as a great laker ad is a great laker i mean they benched russ westbrook earlier this week in the game it's it's different right mike mccarthy scott i believe has more playoff wins than sean payton he had a straight run of what seven straight years the packers in the playoffs he's had a hall of fame quarterback just like sean payton he has a super Bowl ring. This like on Payton, and they're literally making this guy out to be a clown. Clown. Horrible coach. I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing. He kind of is. Buffoon. <laughs> but, but Scott, hear me out. Credentials, if, if, you, if you're comparing resumes.
4: Oh, I get Scott. all that. I, look, this, this no, is, but, you're talking to a guy that's been bagging Mike McCarthy for four years. So I, I'm not, I've, I've, I've just, I think, you know how it is, man. I mean, when you right. have the best quarterback in the league, you can win some games. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a <laughs> great coach.
1: Right? I I understand that. And I'm just saying, though, that guy's legacy is what you just made up of this clown show. I don't think he's got much of a huge clown. I mean, he did good stuff in Green Bay. Shows know, is a, clown show is a strong word. Given.
4: He has a history of terrible clock management and, and not getting right. the most out of his teams. And that's what happened this right. year in Dallas. Well, but, like, G- getting back to Sean Payton for a moment. I mean, for the record, you're preaching to the choir, but this, this is why I wanted to ask you about it. The number one thing for me about Sean Payton not leaving New Orleans, unless he just wants to, like, if he's tired and didn't want to coach for a year or something, but in terms of leaving New Orleans and coaching somewhere else the next season, the reason I said I never think it's going to happen, as long as he's you know winning games, is because control. You you covered this guy up close, Gus. Like I said, he's he's texted you or called you before because he 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 reaches out to media members. What are you doing this? Why is that? The guy has everything down in terms of who has a key card into the building. How how are the um you know paper rolls that you dry your hands with in the bathroom laid out? Like we're talking things that shouldn't matter are to the extreme detail to a head coach of an organization. Now, you could also say, well, those those attention to details is why he's good. I, whatever. I'm not even, I'm not trying to argue whether it's good or bad. I am arguing that he is in a place where he's already extremely paid a lot. He has full control. Gail Benson's the owner, all right? She lets him run the show. Mickey Loomis has a lot of say. Dennis Lausche certainly has a lot of say for the Saints and Pelicans. No one has more say in the Saints in terms of who gets the final call and what they should or shouldn't do than Sean Payton. I mean, you talk about ownership standing by a guy a lot, even during, as you mentioned, some seven and nine seasons. You're talking about an organization, whenever you're a coach and it's like, hey, we got to make this happen. You got to do the cap, whatever you have to do. If you need to do this new assigning bonus, you got to cut this check today. The owner's like, sure, I'll do it. Here we go. Right? You don't get that at every single place. And Sean Payton... You know, I mean, as far as Dallas goes, well, you've got an owner there that has been the GM. I mean, what's been the constant in the last twenty six years for the Cowboys and their constant disappointment of coming up short? It's been Jerry Jones. I mean, what's been what's been the constant? Um, for Sean Payton, certainly, you know, I I would say it wasn't like this in 06, but by by the time 09 was done, what's been the constant there, he's had finals say he has, he has had full control. You know, the other team rumored is is Chicago. Uh, Chicago should make a trade. Well, you have to have an owner wanting to trade and a coach wanting to leave. And that's certainly not the case either. So he, in terms of his personality and what he values most, he has all of it right where he is. So, I don't see why he would ever want to leave to go coach another team. If he wants to retire or go do broadcasting, which, by the way, I don't think he wants to do, that's one thing. But as far as leaving one team for another, it's never really made sense based on Sean Payton's values and what he gets as a head coach in New Orleans,
1: Gus. 100%. 100%. And, you know, you kind of laid out a plan. Oh, really, not even a plan, but just a lot of reasons. And look, one of the things that I said too. The succession plan came out a little bit ago, you know, last year, and I mean, I know that relationship is so close and so good because as you mentioned with there's Lousia, Loomis, or Benson, there's, there's a mutual trust and partnership there, you know? I think everyone knows where everyone's place is. I don't think it's one of those situations where remind each other of it. And you know, hey, we do this, we got that. And it's just, there's a, there's a trust that everyone's doing what they can do best for what's best, if that makes sense. And when you were going through just now, the relationship you have with ownership, I mean, Jerry Jones gives a press conference in the hallway after every game. He makes comments on play calls and players. That's not going to change. And even if he steps aside, you have, like, Stephen Jones and other Joneses, all those guys doing that. The only – it has to be, like, 15 mil a year and control of player personnel. Like, that's the only way that guy would go there. If that's not in the cards, I don't see – now, I think it's personalities – I mean, you've seen it in Belichick. Even Tomlin's strong enough. They can handle the media. I agree with you. It's a lot easier to handle the media here. And more relaxed on it. But, man, I look at it like this. And you know this, Scott. You know when Rita was in line to possibly run the team and own the team before the fallout. Right. The time. That is why I feel so strongly as to why I don't think he'd jump into this. That was a toxic relationship. That, you didn't have to ask very many people about how he felt about that. It was not that trust level. And, I mean, it was routinely spoken about or rumored amongst people that covered the team that if you know who got called up to the pearly gates tomorrow and she was in charge, I mean I got to the I heard people to the point say he was great final. <laughs> much less you know sign up contract. I so I think that is important. So when you hear people covering the team say him having a certain amount of control, and more importantly vision of where you're going that's that that's the example I go to. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind like say. We would be in a situation where, not this has Benson, but the fallout wouldn't have and Greedo's in charge, Sean Payton would be. That's No, no that's not a doubt my mind. That's why I think that it, it would be, again, never say never, would be very surprising if I wake up one morning and Ed Werder or Adam Schefter is reporting, you know, Payton's desires to be a Dallas Tech football coach. I just, I don't see that, man. I just really honestly don't. And if you're not going there where you have your family, where, you know, you have a billion-dollar stadium, you have all that other stuff, you know, you're going to New York, or you're going to Chicago, you know, where you don't know what that ownership is. At least you do know that from Jerry. And it's when it all costs. So at least you do have that. So, but. Like, I'd be surprised, man. I almost again, I point to how it was this season. A guy signing a bigger rate. I think I told you a year ago. In the same lost that game to Tampa. Heartbreaker. Breeze his last look over his shoulder. And I made the comment to you, because I, I know I did it on my show, and I probably brought it up to you. That guy sounded like he was ready to practice next week. Like, I sounded more downtrodden than he did. He was excited. He was looking forward to a quarterback battle. He was... Excited to see who would step up, what kind of football team it would be like. If you go back to that pressure and you listen to it, you tell me if that sounds like a guy that, you know, it's like, all right, that's the run, that's it, it's over. That's not at all what I heard. And if you heard him this season, that guy is an absolute leader on that team. That doesn't sound like a guy that's retiring, that doesn't sound like a guy that's going to bail on this current squad of guys. Now, the Marathon, Davis, and so the younger players he has now, four or five years, talk to me then. All right, now, I just don't see that happening. Likely scenario, the next two months, and it'll probably be quiet because the last contract extension, I think he said it at the owners' meetings, remember after the Super Bowl? He said it after the Super Bowl, and he said the new contract was in his briefcase, remember? Uh-huh. But he hadn't signed it yet. Yeah. So... They might even be quiet, but my guess is he gets a new York extension, and that's it. I- I'm telling you. I just here's the other aspect of it. Did you notice that yesterday, Wednesday, was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, one of those days? Now I lost track. The Saints themselves tweeted photos of Sean the Hayes day he was hired. Conference. Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah. The so, anniversary of it, right?
1: Yeah. Dude, it, I move on like I'm not you I'm just saying like I tell I tell people on our show I'm not even look there's more smoke that on am about Zion and his workout you know trainer than than Sean Payton to Dallas right now in my mind
4: Gus Caggill our, uh, our guest prono segment I'm Scott Prather this is ESPN Lafayette the best ticket in sports last Saints question then I got to ask you about the divisional round uh, who do you think will start a quarterback next year for the Saints week one
1: Man, the more I think about it, I think of James Winston. I really want to do. Um, back to kind of what I was saying. Do you give up a ton of your assets? Now look, I, I understand if you can go get a Russell Wilson. Sure, but if they're asking for three firsts, two Beignets, Scott Price's autograph, Mark Ingram jersey, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I don't. I don't want you to part with that, Scott. So, I. Just look at him being in the locker room in, in, in Atlanta. You know, that really wasn't talked about a lot. Jameis Winston was at the team. Final game of the season. Um, Sean Payton, again, <laughs> just listen to him, he'll tell you how he feels. The guy unsolicited when he was asked, how do you feel walking in the locker room seeing Winston hurt? And that Bucks game said he cried. I said there, There's an attachment. I mean, I... I don't think he's ever said that about a to be honest with you. Like, so there's an attachment there. Um, I think he wanted him to group and succeed just as much as he wanted Jason go to, to, Scott, which I think is special um, that a coach believes in players like that. Um, but I, I think the more I look at it, and somebody on Twitter Wednesday posted some, uh, some Jameis Winston highlights before he got injured. And the throws and some of the national commentary and how they think he can do and all this stuff. And man, look, I think if he, and that's offensive line with the receiving core, other season, and I know you can sit there and say, well, look, he's rehabbing, but I don't know, man. I just, two years, bring it back, see what you got, use your draft picks to improve your O line, add to the receiving core. Strengthen the team if you lose a player or two, and um, and I don't think you're that far off. So, you know, I I don't know, man. I, I think there's there's a handful of options here. And I was even thinking earlier this week, Jared Goff or something of that nature. You know, I'm thinking that guy beat Drew Brees, mm. and I, I think that relationship with Bay yes. kind of you know teetered him and he went that south and building confidence and having all that. I think it's very important, Sean. Makes sense that Sean has confidence or belief in who he starts. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, you look absolutely. The and you look at quarterbacks that have success, and they immediately say they have a relationship with their play caller, their head coach, their OC. The ones that don't, that those teams struggle, and those quarterbacks don't.
4: Gus Kattengill, our guest. Uh, let's shift gears. want to ask you about the playoff games tomorrow. Cincinnati at Tennessee and then San Francisco at Green Bay. Um, uh, the Titans, of all the the four teams left in the AFC, are the ones, I guess, being taken the least serious, even though they're the 1C, which I'm sure Mike Vrabel loves. Um, I, I'm sure he loves to use that as as a way to to get his team going. Then you got the Bengals who finally got over the hump. It took them 31 years. They finally won a playoff game. Joe Burrow's like, yeah, we're not going to celebrate this. We expected it, you know, on to the next. He's got a, a moxie about him that's undeniable. Uh and, you know, I think Cincinnati's kind of riding on the 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 train of a lot of people rooting for us right now. This is cool. This is fun. We're relevant. Tennessee's just sitting there in the wings. You know, I, I, I picked Cincinnati earlier this week when I was making some picks. And then the more I talk about it, the more I start leaning back toward the Titans. Uh, they have Derrick Henry back. But then, you know, it's like I, 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 I overthink it, Gus, because one hand, look, the Titans are the one seed. On the other, you know, I, I saw this team lose to, to Pittsburgh. I saw this team lose to the Jets. I saw this team struggle at the end of the season to put away the Texans. The Texans with Davis Mills at quarterback, when a one seed was on the line. So I'm, I'm kind of back and forth here. I do think the Titans are the better team. They're at home. Um, maybe I'm switching back to Tennessee. I don't know. Help me make this pick. Where should I lean? Cincinnati or Tennessee?
1: Well, I'll tell you that I, I'm all Bengals. I am team Bengals. Who they? Who that? I'm all team Bengals. I'm all about it. So I obviously want them to win. Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, I, I'm rooting for Cincinnati as well, but right. I you know, but what do you um, think? Who do you think's going to win? Objectively. Well,
1: yeah. Objectively, I think the AFC is open. I mean, you look at probably the best matchup within the AFC, Matt, in KC. You would think, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, people wrote all KC early in the year, and then they wound up winning with 8th straight or something. Buffalo lost to the Jags. But, you know, they're capable with Josh Allen to be able to make a play Ooh. and and do that. I, I think, man, you have to have a quarterback that can make an elite play or two, right? And I just don't buy Hill. I just don't. Same. I do buy Brable. I think he's very underrated, man. I don't think a lot of people talk about the jobs that he does. Yeah. His teams aren't always pretty. You know, it's almost like Belichick life to an extent, right? They don't have that sexy, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback like they do with Brady. But... Teams so play.
4: Yeah, some of the earlier Patriot teams, right? Yeah. Like early, t- yeah. you know,
1: yeah. yeah, you know, like
4: oh, the O one team, the O two. It's I, I I guess I'm with you. Like if Tennessee, it's it's all about. Like I think both the games on Saturday, right? The the home team in the AFC, the road team in the NFC, San Francisco and Green Bay. They they want to control the tempo, right? They want to control the tempo. They want it to be a grounded pound, physical type of game. Cincinnati, I think, would prefer, even though, you know, Mixon's good, I think they would love to have Tannehill having to throw it a bunch. And San Francisco wants to control the clock by just run formation you to death. You know, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, catching passes, running the ball at wide receiver. They want to – these. it's all about dictating pace. And I think for Tennessee, if they do that, they win. But if Cincinnati can get any kind of a lead and it forces Tannehill to try to win the game – Cincinnati's going to the AFC Championship. Tennessee dictates the pace and is able to run the ball effectively. They're going to win. And and they might even win double digits. I, I If it's a mix of the two, now we're in for a good game. Uh, I guess I'll stick with my pick for Cincinnati. I think Green Bay is going to beat San Francisco. But, boy, from a matchup standpoint, oh, Green Bay's at home, Green Bay's at home. Green Bay doesn't have the strongest... You know, defensive line, and and you know, there in terms of what San Francisco does well, it San Francisco's secondary is is um, I think Aaron Rodgers can throw on them. I think he can throw on them a lot. But can San Francisco have some of those long drives? I mean, that first drive they had against Dallas was I mean, I don't like the Niners at all. But I mean, I objectively I got to say that thing well, that was a thing of beauty. I mean, all of the different angles, the formations, what Shanahan was able to do. On that opening possession where they had the first 15 plays scripted, I, um, I'm, 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 I'm taking the Bengals and I'm taking the Packers. But I think if Tennessee and San Francisco wins, I think the formula is going to be similar in both of those games. If, uh, if that happens, so I like Natty in an upset and I like the Packers as the favorite. Who are your two picks tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And the reason why I, I feel confident. Well, I would look. I'm picking Cincinnati because I do think at the end of the day, man. I got to trust the QB. And I think Joe right now is playing really well. I think that offense believes um, the problem is they had not been there. So how did they handle that environment? Being, having your first playoff game at home, you know, you could argue, is it harder because you have that pressure? Right. And Drew even yeah. talked about it. True. Um, you know, where um, that NFC Championship game, they felt it all week. Oh, you understand. know, everywhere they went, man, people were reminded, you can't lose this game. We have to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, that last drive – that was the wobbliest pass of Zubry's so. Thank, Thank God they had Pierre Thomas.
4: Thank God they had Pierre Thomas.
1: I mean, dude, he was he was holding on to that ball. Didn't want to turn it over. So I, I do think there's there's a sense of with Joe and the Bengals. You know, I keep using the phrase this week. Why not? And I I just the, the way he talks, the way they look at it, they're just chill. They're like, why not? Why not us? They got nothing to lose going into Tennessee. And and then you know their reward will be Buffalo, KC. and they went toe to toe with KC. I think that when I spoke to Ben Baby this week <laughs> of ESPN who the covers the Bengals, and and I mentioned that game because KC, you know, was on a eight game win streak. I mean, and they went toe to toe with, him, and they held Mahomes to to something obscene like no TD passes or, or no first downs or something like that in the second half. Like he he did, and you know, their defense did a pretty good job on it. Um, I think the key is Trey Hendrickson, if <laughs> he can play. Um, his ninth
4: playoff game, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. This will be
4: his ninth playoff game as a pro in uh, in year number, what, so, five for him.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I just look at it, dude, where I, who can make a play? I, I trust that guy. You know, I do. I, I've seen games where Burrow's gotten sacked five times, gotten hit, and he. It doesn't phase him. So, to me, it's can he avoid the dreaded thing that he's done this season that would be the thing that he'll tell you he needs to work on next year. And he's thrown way too many interceptions in the red zone and far too many in the end zone. If they can score, Scott, when they're in there, and especially at touchdowns, the Bengals are winning this game. I just, I, I, trust their offense. The thing, everybody's bringing back. with Derrick Henry's back. Derrick Henry's back. Derrick Henry hasn't played. So he may be fresh in the first quarter. How is he going to feel in the fourth quarter? He hasn't played. Does he have the stamina? I mean, I I don't know um, if that's logical to think that he can just walk in and play four quarters and carry the ball 40 times. If he can, I'm not doubting it. The guy is a beast. But, you know, that Tannehill's going to have to make some plays. So I'm, I'm interested in that one. And I'm with you. I, I think the 49ers, though, Scott. When I it goes back to who do you trust, dude? And the 49ers don't trust Garoppolo, but I trust Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron's good for the NFC Championship game, and that's where he struggles. You know, when you look at it, I, 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 I got, I got Packers, I got. Panthers. I don't know. Here will, we go again. I'm agreeing with
4: you. Uh, who will Green Bay play uh, on uh, uh next week if they win? Either Tampa Bay or LA. You know, the Rams credit this. They played well, the Cardinals looked terrible, um, really bad. I mean, it, it, you, that Monday night game, it felt like you watch that first two drives, you're like, well, this is over. Um, and then you got Tampa Bay, who is, you know, they their line got a little hurt last week. They're, I don't know, they, they don't have that same, maybe it's a good thing for them, I have no idea, but they don't seem to have that same wave of momentum. Right, that they had last year in the postseason as a wild card team. Uh, I know Tampa Bay's at home. I I I think the winner of this game is going to lose next week. Put it that way. Um, But I think I'm I think I'm taking Tampa because they're at home, um, and because you know the Rams, they're just their offensive line doesn't do it for me. They don't. And you know Whitworth might not play. He's questionable. We'll see. They're just they're, I look at Tampa Bay's defensive line as the key to this game and why I think Tampa Bay's gonna be able to win a game over the Rams. I think Tampa's gonna to go to Green Bay next week. I'm taking the Bucks in this game.
1: Yeah, I got um I just don't trust the Rams, man. I don't know what I'm gonna see. They they have all the all the potential, they got all the talent. Um I, I wish, you know, that was the same Aaron Donald. That we saw this past week, two weeks ago, against San Francisco, we had zero sacks. You know, um, but again, I, I just think too with, with Tampa, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that offensive line. But God, I go back to this. I go back to Drew Brees, right? When you have that kind of quarterback that can read a lot of different things, he can help you with that. He can help you with getting rid of the ball, checks, moving around, doing different things, getting rid of the football. And you can hit Tom Brady for a bit. He's going to make a mistake. But, he, you know, if he still has a chance in the fourth quarter, you, you, you feel good about him. We've seen him against the Saints make mistakes. Now, we've also seen the Saints at Tampa a couple of weeks ago dominate their defensive line and, and, and frustrate. And they absolutely, the Rams, have just as good a D line. You do have a secondary there to do it. I don't know. Um, I think that's a close game. Um, I, I just... I, don't know, I feel Tampa as well, man. I, again, I don't trust the Rams. Can Stafford go out and, and and continue to do that? I mean, it's just been so up and down with him. Like, if there was – even if it was a win-loss, 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 but the games were the same, i feel better. But when they win, they look a certain way. They look like a 10. When they lose, they look like a 2 or 3. You know what I'm getting at, Stafford? Yeah, they yeah. Like and not, they, and look, their D-line,
4: eight. their front seven's good. But their secondary is vastly overrated because of one player. Jalen Ramsey's awesome. He is. The rest of their secondary is terrible. And and I think with the Rams, you can get so caught up in the big names and lose sight of the whole unit. And, uh, you know, I, I expect Brady to check down on to death and uh, and win the game. All right, the most anticipated game of the week and last pick for you. And we'll briefly talk about the Pels and let you run. Chiefs-Bills. 5:30 kickoff in KC. is going to be cold, not as cold as it was in Buffalo. It's going to be, um, it's you know the the sun will go down early. You got the two most exciting quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, in Mahomes and Josh Allen. This is uh, this has the makings of what could potentially be a classic. Kansas City right now, a two point favorite on the latest two and a half or two, depending on what sports book you look at. Look, I picked the Chiefs before the season to get to the Super Bowl. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I'm picking the Chiefs to win on Sunday in a three-point game, although I'll be rooting for the Buffalo Bills. I think the Chiefs win this one, Gus. What's your pick, Buffalo KC? Dude, I
1: everything should be KC, right, You would think? Um, you know what I've seen in Buffalo, though, lately? They, they're like an elephant, right? What's the saying with an elephant? They have strong memories or something like that. They, they kind of have a little little chip, don't they? Like, they remember that Patriots game, and it almost fueled them at the end of the season, didn't it? You know, when, you know, Mac Jones completed two passes against them. And that, that was a statement game last week. And you saw them, you know, a couple times this season towards the end. And I know they lost. The Jags, and I, I get it, but I think there's a lot of people up there. I spoke to somebody earlier this week that covers them in, in Buffalo, and he's like, they ain't forgotten about the AFC Championship game. They, they legitimately felt they, they should have won that game. So I don't think they fear Tasty. I, I, I think, again, there's something to be said of having been there and done that, and they were in that spot. You know, a game later. Obviously, maybe it was a championship game a year ago, but. And the Bills so,
4: whooped you know, them the earlier Bay this Inn. year in KC. I mean, whooped uh, yeah. them. Now the Chiefs I'm felt like I, a very different time, you know, a very different team at that time than they do now. But sure. But yeah, uh-huh. man, Buffalo. I'm with you. Like, it, from a confidence standpoint, I think the Bills are are they they have the most confidence of maybe anybody in the postseason right now. It's not going to be like,
1: right, so what I, do I, we do? Right. right. So you know what? I'm going to go Buffalo since you went KC. All right.
2: Was-
4: <laughs> All right. Last thing, man, uh, Pels um, don't have a lot of time uh, really to hit on last night's game against the Knicks, but we-, we usually talk about the state of the team. My quick question to you on the Pels is with a spot at the play in tournament, do they make a trade or do they their picture here? We don't need to. You know, if a trade's there, fine, but we don't need to have some lopsided trade to try to get a player to get us in a playing game this year. We gotta think long term here. How do you think the Pelicans are going to deal with the trade deadline?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think you look at can I you know, what is it they think they need? And even when they're playing well right now, this team seems to play really well together. I think there's a belief with one another. So I don't know if I really want to mess up a lot of chemistry. Um, but they need scoring. And consistent three point shooting would be the thing that I look at. So, you know, I scout who's a guy that maybe is either on the bench or, you know, maybe wants a bigger role that can come in and, you know, be a guy that can sort of help on that, you know? Um, I just don't know if you see that sort of consistency from the scoring standpoint that you would like to see with this team. So I definitely think that that's something to kind of look at. But quite honestly, again, until you know what you're doing with, you know, I essentially made him Voldemort over here. I literally refer to him as he who will not be mentioned. I'm just sick of it. Um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to quote unquote go blockbuster or, you know, do all kinds of different things. Look, I, there's a lot of reporters here that would love the Aaron Fox. I love the Aaron Fox. You're not getting the Aaron Fox. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the even tied into the Simmons trade. There's all kinds of different things, but I, I think a player like that would be somebody that you target in free agency next year, or you know, I don't know. You may be making a trade. I, I don't. I just don't know, Scott. Um, so I, I mean, what if you know? What if there's a conversation with Summerman where you know the, the words "I'm not signing the extension" happen? So I just, I think, you know, it's this season is what it is, um, as it is with the talent that you have and the players you have, you're, you know, you're hovering anywhere between two and a half, three games, even got as close as a game and a half from the 10th seed. you got a while back. If Zion does come back after the all-star break, you got about 23 games. The first game after the all-star break is 23 games. Um maybe you can make a run. I just, yeah, man, Scott. It's, it's almost, I wouldn't even say cosmetic, but I, I look for like some shooting help and that stuff that whether it's second round picks or maybe some contracts and guys on your bench, Sadoransky, you know, things of that nature that uh, you can do that. But I think there's a good chemistry on the team. I, and I do think they're like playing for one another. And I think you, you continue to nurture that and build it. Um, and if not, you pick high in the draft. I just, I, 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 I wouldn't do that. Um, I just don't know what I'm doing with that yeah,
4: If unless it's yeah, helping absolutely. you long term, don't do anything short term. That's got to be the philosophy. If it helps you with both, go oh. ahead and pull the trigger. If it's more of a short ter- short term thing, no, that's not. A franchise. we're on the same There's
1: page. A to there. Yeah.
4: Gus Cangialo mm-hmm. has been our guest at gcat underscore one seven on Twitter at gkatt underscore one seven on Twitter. Catch him in New Orleans. He has been one hundred point three. The Sports Hangover, noon to three weekdays. He is uh, awesome, and he has been our guest for the Pro Nola segment. Gus, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football, and uh, stay warm, my friend.
1: Yeah, man, I always appreciate the time as well. We're not getting any snow, huh? Have you seen any snow yet this morning? No, but uh, maybe a little ice, so oh.
4: be careful out on the roads, right. everybody. Right. Icy. <laughs> that is <true>. Be safe. <laughs> all right, brother, I'll talk soon, all right? Mm-hmm. All right, big thanks to Gus. Coming up next on The Great Scotch Show. We'll open up phone lines, 337-269-1077. We'll talk some hoops. And uh, another Cajun assistant maybe leaving UL for Florida in terms of football? Talk about that as well. Don't go anywhere. This is The Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. This is ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports now at 103.3 on the FM. 1420 on the AM and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening via the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Don't go anywhere. This is The Great Scott Show. Up guys, I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings sports book that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sports book because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app App now and use code fourteen twenty when you sign up because when you do, hundred dollars in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code fourteen twenty to get one hundred dollars in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight seven 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 zero stop. Must be twenty one or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings. slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions.
6: He had no hair. Lost that shot. He
7: was caught. saw the
4: convertible by, up the Let one fly. Well, welcome back. Into the great Scott show. Coming at you on a Friday. It is the 8 o'clock hour. Eric Mouton scheduled to join me in about 15 minutes. To discuss little Cajun hoops and that. Um, bad performance last night. No other way to say it. Let's let's start with some good on the on the on the court last night and hoops and some bad. Um, Pelicans go to the Garden and uh, whoop up on the New York Knicks. Really, we're dominating them. Brandon Ingram sprained his ankle after a cheap play by Grimes, uh, and even without Ingram, who was on fire, uh, the Pel's won with you know he had some guys on the bench. He had Jose Alvarado. Uh, undrafted rookie on a two-way contract who grew up in Brooklyn. Out there just balling. 13 points, four steals, four assists off the bench. He had his whole family in attendance. Brandon Ingram, by the way, bought the tickets for his family. Just did it on his own. Tells you something about the locker room and chemistry, as uh, Gus and I were talking about last hour, but... Cool moment for Jose, who talked to Jen Hale of Valley Sports New Orleans after the win. He was kind of in disbelief. With
1: Jose Alvarado.
0: A much-needed road win, Joel. The Pelicans exercised some road demons, and Jose Alvarado key in that. Jose, thanks for joining us. We loved watching tonight. Let me start with that crucial third quarter where you held the Knicks to just 15 points. That was huge to make sure this victory got closed since they had that big run in the fourth. What was the key to the Pels defense in that third period?
3: You know, just keep being us. Coach said we need to uh, get a lot of stops and that's what we did. We trust each other and we just kept on um, you talking to each other in a positive way and we just got it done. We were playing Pelicans defense.
0: You sure did get it done and you were a huge part of that, by the way. 13 points, four dimes, four steals, you're a two-way player. You've worked so hard for this moment and to get to have it in front of your home crowd and all your friends and family. What was the culmination of this journey like tonight for you?
3: Oh, man, I don't know how to say it, man. Just seeing my parents, you know, with my jerseys and all the folks that came out to see me, man, it means a lot. Like, if you would have told me this, it would happened five years ago, I wouldn't believe it. But now that I, it's just like a drink, dream come true. And, you know, it's crazy. This is, I'm at the garden now, one, and I'm in doing an interview with y'all. And my peoples is right there. How I could, I, like that, you can't, you can't make that up. And, man, I, I, it's just a great win for us. And I'm just so happy, man. I, y'all don't understand how happy I am.
0: We are so happy for you. Antonio Daniels said he wanted to reach through the TV and give you a hug, and I think we all feel that way. Let me ask you, 20 friends and family members both at the Brooklyn game and tonight, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, picking up the tab for those tickets, and then I think I saw B.I. go and give his jersey to some of your family members tonight. What does that type of loyalty and teammateship mean to you?
3: Man, those are my brothers. Like, look, they they bought tickets for me for my family. Like, you can't make this up. Those are great teammates. Not just a teammate, they just a brother to me. And for them to just do that for me is, I'm I'm grateful and I, I appreciate all that. And B, I just gave my little his, my little brother his jersey. He's a big fan of him. And man, I can't. Those those are my brothers. They did a lot for me. And man, it's crazy. You're gonna make me cry over here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to do that. Go enjoy this win, enjoy this moment. And hey, we are so proud of you, Jose. It was an awesome game. Congrats. Congratulations.
3: Appreciate it. Y'all take care. Good stuff.
4: You like those kind of stories? Good locker room as well. On the women's side of things. Um, tough night on the road last night in Boone, Louisiana. Uh, Gary Broadhead, Rage of Cage Women's Hoops dropped their fourth game of the season. They're now 11-4. and But they were just struggling offensively point blank bottom line 22 of 57 uh they turned it over 25 times it wasn't pretty they lose by nine we're going to talk about the men in just a moment and uh what unfolded the cajun home last night which wasn't great especially a nine minute stretch there in the in the in the end of the first half we're going to talk quite a bit about the men's team and the state of cajun hoops with uh, eric Mouton. Coming up in 10 minutes, so that's when we'll really dig into it. Right now, though, 337-269-1077. Phone number to call. Phone lines are open if anyone wants to jump in. Talking NFL divisional round. Pels or any kind of occasions uh, or hoops. It's Friday, baby. Let's go. Stay warm out there. It's 30 freaking degrees. Said to the phone lines, good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello.
5: Yeah, I was gonna uh, ask you about last night' game. I, uh, I had plans on listening to it on the uh, radio, but I dozed off. Um, then I saw the score. You know, um, yeah. Well, I heard you just mentioned like a nine minute stretch. It, it's is what you said?
4: it's uh, it's cold outside, and in the final eight minutes and fifty one seconds of the first half. It was cold on offense. UL, they they scored five points. All of them were at the free throw line. They uh, they didn't. I mean, they didn't make a field goal for eight minutes and fifty one seconds. And uh, some of that was on them. Some of that was on South Alabama and their length. Um, but you, you, I mean, and the thing is, the Cajuns defensively came out pretty strong, but that stretch was just it was brutal. It was brutal. And then South Al's offense picked up in the uh, in the second half. There were six to six from the three point line and I don't know, man. That when when you can't get a, a shot, when you can't just get a bucket to fall, everything just looks out of sorts. And you know, Eric was courtside last night calling it and we'll we'll talk to him quite a bit about it here in a couple minutes. And him being a former player and a coach, he could probably give us some more perspective.
5: Yeah, man, I'm 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 looking forward to that. Um I think change is coming. Uh, that's that's my opinion. Uh, but like I said, though, uh, I'm on the outside looking in. Um, hey man, I, uh, <laughs> I did not hear your uh, surviving the game reference. Oh, yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I never. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I was. Norm like, didn't, didn't get, get it. That. I forgot I
4: even dropped that yesterday. He didn't even get the reference. He was like, "What?"
5: Hey, uh, when you said that, I was like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't hear him say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that, that movie's wild. Man. Of course, I know you remember that came I think the Cowboys won a Super Bowl that year when that movie came out, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, I think the Niners won. I, I
4: don't yeah, know. Is, I, don't but, know. But, I remember renting it at Dell Champs
5: <laughs> on VHS. <laughs> Facts. That, well,
4: that, that's like yeah. the most copied story ever right it was like an i don't remember the name of the old book from a long time ago and anyway they've They've come out with movies and shows and everything that's essentially, you know, a guy is hunted. But uh, but that one in particular, yeah. Yeah, but that, but, that one, but, see, that one but, seemed I to see hit. That one, yes, correct. No, I, I get what you're saying.
5: It, it, think, think about the actors in that movie. it's not no, like, F. Murray Abraham was in there. F. Murray Gary movie. Abraham,
4: Gary. They They had Oscar <laughs> winners and nominees in that movie, uh, Charles S. Dutton. Um uh, yep. who else? John C. McKinley. The old dude that
5: paid at scrubs. rutger Howard. Yeah,
4: yeah. John C. McKinley. It's been it's been a minute since I seen that, man. It's been a while.
5: It's on Tubi. I saw it the other night, man. Oh. And I was just but, but they bla but they added a part out, man. I mean, um the part when um when he had the dude in the cave. They added a part when he kinda ambushed him. I think he was in the tree and he jumped on him. Yeah. They, they kind of, I don't know why they added that point out. No,
4: that was one but badass I, homeless guy. That's all I know,
5: man. <laughs> hey, when the uh, Rock, when uh, Charles Dutton character, when he killed him, man. I, that, you know. <laughs> hey, when I, when I, I, I was like remember.
4: 11 or 12 and just saw him there, you know, with a couple of peg legs bleeding, I was like, whoa, this is kind of graphic.
5: <laughs> yeah, but, man, I, I, well, me and my brothers, man, well, my brothers and I just, just have a sick sense of humor, man, and, uh, yeah, for Ice T. Ice T played that role, man. He played that character. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, what, what uh, Mouton has to say about uh, yesterday's, uh, about last night game. And uh, wh- what's your take, man? And I know that no one likes to talk about it, but
4: I think I think it. Look, I mean, I, I, it's it's a uh, they they all say it right. I think what you do in March will dictate a lot of what happens next. Of course, putting yourself in a position to do well uh, in March is important, and the first of a four-game homestand last night was was a disappointing start to it, without question. But I, I think yeah. I think a lot of this is it's what's happening, you know, six weeks from now, and um, that's when we'll have more answers. All
5: right, man. Thank you.
4: All right, uh, lines lit up. Two more lines lit up. I apologize. I cannot get to your calls right now because we got to hit up this break. Eric Mouton is going to join me. We'll open up the phone lines after our conversation with Coach Mouton. So if you've been on hold, I apologize. Just call back a little later in the show. This is the Grave Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette. This is the best ticket in sports.
0: ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, Drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken.
4: Think, take. I keep saying I drop the acronym and then apparently it comes out sometimes. Look, we all have off days. Um, Depending on how many you have can determine a lot of things. Last night, from a shooting standpoint, it was, there was a stretch there that's as bad as I can remember. Eric Mouton, Ascension Episcopal AD and head coach and former Ragin' Cajun basketball player. No stranger to uh, the game of basketball native of this great area, and he joins me now. Good morning, Coach. How are you today?
2: Doing great, Scott. How you doing?
4: I'm doing well, man. It's Friday. Um, last night at the Cajun Dome, man, uh, let's unpack it. Um, offensively, what, other than just when the shot's not going in, I mean, you know the game well. What else? What are some other reasons other than just it was an off night that the Cajuns had the stretch that they had that when it's not going in it might not impact the other parts of your game right out the gate but eventually it just begins to kind of the weight just starts to bear down more and more and it feels like when you're when you're shooting like that it starts to impact the other areas of the game eventually
2: yeah i, I agree um i had a chance to to get a little scouting report from uh brock morris you know i get a chance to talk to him uh, before the games, he's, he's kind enough, and Coach Marlin gives him permission to, to kind of visit with me just to have some things on on the broadcast with Dan McDonald on uh, on ESPN+. And one of the things they wanted to do was uh, establish the paint last night. They had a Kuba back, feel a Kuba, without the last couple of games. They wanted to establish the paint. And I think early in the game and in the first half, South Al played a uh, mostly man-to-man against them. And uh, they were able to do that. And when you play inside-out, the ball touches the paint, the ball goes inside, you drive the ball to the basket, you create better looks for your guards. And I think they did that in the first half last night. And then in the second half, um, South Al went to a 2-3 zone, which was one of the best 2-3 zones. That, you know, I compare it to the Syracuse 2-3 zone. I mean, they've got six-eight, six-nine long guys, and and it looked like, you know, Coach Marlin was running some good stuff against that zone, but every time they were ready to get the ball and get a shot or, or get it where they wanted to get it, I mean, there's a 6'9 long guy right there in your face, and you've got to make an adjustment. You've got to make an extra pass. You've got to force something. So I think that zone last night, even though Louisiana was running some good stuff, it was just so effective. You know, they didn't sit back and stand in the lane and let you shoot like a lot of zones do. They get out there and guard the wings. They're quick enough to get from the wing to the corner. They're long. They're athletic. They jump out of the gym. Um, and I think the 2-3 zone, they couldn't get it down low to Brown and Akuba. And uh, it just forced some, some tougher shots, some late clock shots. And uh, I think that was the difference in the game.
4: So, am I maybe focusing too much on the rough stretch where they didn't make a field goal in, in the last eight fifty-one of the first half, and maybe not enough about the Cajuns' defense in the second half? Because in the first half, the defense was there, and I think the Cajuns what they outrebounded the Jags by like fifteen. But that second half defense by the Cajuns, as I was, I guess I was kind of alluding to the question earlier, Coach, when when you're struggling offensively. How difficult is it to not let it impact your defense? And do you think that had any impact on the Cajuns' defense in the second half? Or did they just get a little too lax? I think Michael Thomas said after the game, we just got a little too lax on defense. And, you know, when the other team hits a couple of good shots, man, I don't know. You, you got you to keep your foot on the pedal. And it seemed like last night defensively, from what I was uh, listening to and, and got to watch some of the second half, listening to the uh, almost the whole game on the radio, it just it wasn't I don't know. There was, there was a noticeable difference in the Cajuns' defense from the first half to the second half.
2: Yeah, they had, um, and I think one of the reasons for that is uh, Tyrell Jones, a point guard from South Alabama, who was a four-star recruit out of Chicago, wound up going to Auburn for a couple of years. Last night was his first game back, and he was a difference maker, man. Nine points, five assists, five rebounds, and uh, very hard to contain up at the top. Um, And with a couple of young guards up there, you know, Trajan's up there uh, along with A.U. And then you have Michael Thomas, like you mentioned. Um, Jalen Dalcourt had a chance to try to guard him. But I think he was the difference in the game. Strong, tough, you know, about a six-one guard um, that can get into the paint and make good decisions, and he can also finish. And with the athletes they had around him, um, I think trying to contain him and they – they ran a few ball screens for him, and they also ran a ghost screen for him, which is you run out there and then you slide your best shooter to the opposite wing, which kind of slides and, and, and gets the defense's attention to that side of the court. And you got an explosive guard like that. He's able to get into the paint. So I think containing the basketball with some of our young point guards um, um, hurt us on the, on the defensive end. And then, again, you make shots. It's kind of compounded, and, um, you know, we dominated on the glass but they just got too many good shots and too many good high percentage shots in that second half.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it was, it was discouraging. It was just one game, but it feels like this season has been what 16 games into it coach like ups and downs. I remember talking to you early in the season when you saw some of the new guys in the first few games and, so i guess a glimpse of what they could be then they lost some games then conference play starts they get these great wins on the road shorthanded they come home they get another big win no ot and then now you've dropped 3 it's kind of been this this swinging pendulum one way or the other um how do you like how do you feel about this team in the next 6 weeks in terms of what they can be how do you feel about them today Versus how you felt about him at the beginning of the season?
2: I still have a lot of faith in him. I still think that, um, that there's enough talent there to, to get it done. Um, you know, it's a deep team, and maybe the rotation with, with COVID and with some injuries. And, you know, you're never really comfortable with, with a rotation as a coach, to me, if you're constantly worried about who's available you know so i think they're going to figure it out here down the stretch i think they're going to look to kobe julian a little more i think he's a guy that you know seven points last night um, i think he's a guy after you get 21 from brown you get 12 from akuba and he's talking about a lot of guy other guys scoring but nobody really stepping up and i think kobe julian is is the guy um, from that wing position that can do multiple things. You know, he's only two for 11 last night, one for five shooting. And I think that zone and those long guys contested him a lot more. Um, but I think Kobe Julian's a key to this thing. And, you know, I'm hoping Greg Williams can kind of get going to yeah, the yeah. the pedigree and the talent that that kid has. I've seen him play a lot of basketball growing up, you know, being the same age as Eli. And uh, I don't know if he's not healthy or, or something's not right with him. He just doesn't look right out there because, he is such a talented kid. I think he's a pro, you know, whether it's in the United States or overseas, you know, I think that guy's a pro and, um, you know, hopefully he can get going a little bit too, to give us a little more scoring punch, you know, didn't score last night, over for four from, from two and 0 for three from three. Um, we just need a little more from him. And, you know, Kobe Julian's a guy that, that they think can can take over games because he has the ball in his hands a lot. He doesn't have to get it inside. You know, you've seen Brown and Akuba take over games, but with the ball in his hands, I think Kobe Julian's a guy uh, that really needs to get going for this team.
4: Eric Mouton, our guest. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Um, They've got Troy Saturday. Troy, who is now atop the Sunbelt Conference standings. As I said earlier, this season feels like it's like They've, they haven't had a stretch yet this year, Coach, where they won one and lost one, right? It's all been multiple, right? You win three, you lose three. You win two, you lose two. You win, th- you win three, you lose three. That's been, it's been 3-3, 2-2, 3-3 all season. Um, you got your next three at home. It, it feels like, and maybe I'm putting too much on it, Coach, this feels like an important moment to me right now in terms of what comes next here in this homestand. You've got three at home you got a team at the top of the standings coming in. Then you got and you got two at the, at the bottom of the standings. But you win these next 3 and they've had 3 game winning streaks multiple times this year. You know, you you start feeling good about it. But coach Marlin said last night after the game, right? We got to be self-critical. He said he didn't like their body language. Um they're going to be watching film. I I I know Troy's good based on what they've done this year. You know, they got the best record in the conference this how, am I putting too much on, on tomorrow's game? Do you feel like this is just, look, it's, you can't put too much. It's one game. It's on the schedule. Or do you feel like this is a big moment for this team tomorrow?
2: Well, you know, if you kind of go either way, it can be a huge moment for this team if, if they all get on the same page today. And like you said, you know, Coach Marlin and his staff are, are in there working and grinding and trying to figure out uh, the best way to move forward and the best way to get that win tomorrow and, and if you talk about winning a conference championship or putting yourself in a good position uh down the stretch for the for the conference tournament or um you know this could be a moment with this team coming in playing well, having a lot of momentum, and to get a win at home, you know hopefully we'll get a a nice crowd in the Cajun dome they'll get out and support uh know you have a few uh, high school basketball games that are being moved to tomorrow. Actually, my game is being moved to tomorrow um, because of the weather, uh, today and, and Louisville being canceled, but, you know, hopefully we can get some, a nice little crowd out there behind these guys and, and try to get them to turn the corner and try to get them to get this big home win on Saturday. And, you know, that could send you on a, on a winning streak and to, to, to compete against some of the top teams in this conference.
4: ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Eric Mutzaw, our guest. Dr. Fundamental, uh, last Cajuns question for you, Coach, and we, we really appreciate you taking the time, always do. Um, what, what in your mind, there's a number of things that obviously the team needs or has, right, whether they're, they're doing well right now or struggling in an area. Give me one specific area of this team that you feel like maybe is the biggest key to, to, to fueling this team in the right direction.
2: I think shooting the basketball is always important. It leads, and it's contagious. I think South Alabama last night, you know, struggled in the first half from three, and then the second half, you know, they hit one, they hit two, and next thing you know, they hit all six. They go six for six from three in the second half. So I think, uh, you know, shooting the basketball, I think your inside presence is there with Brown and Akuba. Uh, I like the way Trajan Wesley has been playing. The the little point guard uh, has been tough. It looks like he's 100% healthy. You know he's a little undersized at five nine, but, but Scott, it's not how big you are; it's how big you play. And uh, he's been playing, he's been playing well and playing tough. And and I think those perimeter threes and making shots and and one or two guys hitting a few, and then having it be contagious and having the team, you know, just shoot with confidence and feel like they can make shots because they rebound the ball, they dominate inside. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like they do a good job. Uh, in, a, in a lot of other aspects, a lot of assists because it's a, it's an unselfish, balanced team. Uh, but I think stepping up and knocking down threes, um, and kind of that being contagious and letting and letting that take over. You know, we're six for twenty-two from three-point line last night for the game. Um, and, and you know, if we can improve on that, we get to the line, we make free throws. So I think shooting some threes, shooting some three balls, some deep threes, and, and getting it, getting it rolling, and getting it, having it be contagious. Uh, and, and go
4: from there. Eric Mouton has been our guest. Yeah, I, I think there's some things we know uh, about this team that are consistent, and there's other things that we've seen it good at times. Other times it, it leaves somewhat some to be desired, but I, I feel like this team kind of goes as far as their guard play is going to take them at this point, you know. Um, you know, Brown, Akuba, I those guys inside, but that's where it is. You being a former guard yourself, you're a basketball lifer coach, you know the game certainly better than me and many others listening. I'm not going to let you leave without talking about your own squad. I know you guys were scheduled to take on Lorville tonight, but Ascension Episcopal, you guys are uh 14 and 8 on the season if I'm not mistaken, 4 and 2 in league play and if I have the numbers off, you can correct me, but um wh- how are you feeling about your team's um, you know, season thus far and you know what what comes next? Tell us a little bit about the Blue Gators on the hardwood.
2: Yeah, we are uh Like you said, having a good year. We're up to actually 17 wins this year.
4: My bad. My bad, Coach. I didn't mean to short (laughs) you. I didn't mean to short you.
2: Coach, we've got to get everyone we can take. 17. 17 wins this year. And we're right in the mix in district. Our district, you know, normally Franklin, West St. Mary are, are head and shoulders above everybody else, but... I mean, everybody's right there with a couple of losses. They've had a couple of losses. We did lose to Franklin um, this earlier this week, but um, you know our guys are playing well. Uh, our starting five with Austin Mills, Luke Gidry, Nelson Elmore, Cade Dardar, and um, and Cole Colligan. We got three of those guys off the football field, and um, seems like we're, we're we got our legs underneath us. We're playing well. We went through the tournament season. Went play. Coach Danny's Sunkist shootout, went to Coach Jake over at Turlings, played in the tournament over there, held our own tournament. So, uh, you know, it's district time right now. We've never won a district championship at Ascension in boys' basketball. There's a lot of banners in that gym, and uh, there's not one for, for boys' basketball. So I think over the next couple of years with the guys that we have, uh, I think we have a chance. So so Lauraville tomorrow night, our game actually got bumped. And then we've got West St. Mary on Tuesday to finish up the first round. So um, we are right where we need to be. And again, they're both home games tomorrow and Tuesday. So we've got to protect our home court and uh, and keep ourselves right in the mix in this district race.
4: There he goes, uh, Ascension. They've got a district title on their mind. That's what they're gunning for. Coach Eric Mouton has been our guest. Uh, best of luck, Coach. I know you're busy over there on campus uh, at Ascension Episcopal, but Thanks for taking the time this morning. You guys can follow Coach on Twitter at Dr. Fundamental. And uh, if you ever see him out and about and you want to pick the mind of a great basketball uh, mind, go ahead and start asking him questions. If he's really busy, just don't tell him I told you to ask him questions because he's too nice to tell you that he's busy. He'll just start talking.
2: Coach, appreciate it, man. All the best. Got any time. Get to the Cajun Dome tomorrow night if you can. Big game.
4: Big game tomorrow against Troy. Thanks so much, Coach.
2: Thank
4: you. Have a good day. Top of the Sun Belt are the Troy Trojans. I mean, think about that this year. Three-game winning streak, three-game losing streak. Two games, one, two games lost. Three games, one, three games lost. You got th- the next three at home. One against the team at the top of the conference, two against the teams at the bottom. Cajun's sitting there right in the middle right now. This is a big moment. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Six thirty 30 pregame you can hear it on our sibling station news talk 96 5 as well as right here on ESPN lafayette the best ticket in sports we'll have it simulcast for you from learfield jay walker has the call 33 after the hour when we come back i actually didn't think i was going to talk about the dallas cowboys today and i'm not going to talk about the team as much as a particular fan but if you were watching the game, there's one fan, and he's probably just the image of him has just burnt into your memory. Turns out there's a little more to the story about that loser. He took multiple L's on Sunday, a story that's just too wild not to be true. We'll tell you about that. We'll open up phone lines, talk some hoops, talk some NFL divisional playoff rounds. Is this the best weekend, best NFL weekend of the season right here? You got four on the slate, two Saturday, two Sunday. I mean, after this weekend, it's almost like when it, when it hits me Sunday night, there's only three NFL games left. There's like a mild depression that starts to sink in. I don't want to think about that yet. I just want to sit back and enjoy this weekend. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings sports book that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sports book because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting, in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1 877 770 stop. Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions.
1: What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to three. and Get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app.
0: This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the
2: NFL, which stands for Not For Long when you make them
0: calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. <laughs>
4: Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The uh, Sunbelts Offensive Player of the Year, Grayson McCall, the quarterback for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Going to miss spring practice because of off-season surgery. School didn't provide any additional details. I remember he missed a couple of games in the season with an upper body injury that he suffered against Troy, and there was some talk in their head coach Jamie Chadwell and sporting his mullet was like, "I don't know if we'll see him again this year." He ended up coming back, playing, and played well. You know, I know their their uh, their team and their fan base talks a lot of trash. Also, won a lot of games. They were eleven and two. Biggest. Reason in my mind, the Coastal Carolina has had the run they've had the last two seasons is because of Grayson McCall, and uh, he's coming. You know, he can recover from the injury nicely. Though they'll, they'll be good again next year. But if they ever lose that cat, or if he misses significant time or the injury, they would they would be a different ball club. You know, when you have an an elite quarterback at any level, high school, college, pro. You can overcome a lot of things on a roster, a lot. When you don't, if you have an average quarterback, you better have a good roster. If you have a bad quarterback, well, better luck next year. You know, looking at the NFL playoffs and the teams that are left, the one seed that's getting no respect—that's getting, I mean, I say no. It's, it's, a lot of people are picking them to beat the Bengals, but like in terms of the Super Bowl, you look at all the teams that are left. I mean, the, the the Titans, you said, which quarterback would you, would you trust the least here? A lot of people were saying, oh, Tannehill. Maybe some are saying Jimmy G. Jimmy G's been in a Super Bowl. I might tell you, if, if you're having the discussion, it's either Tannehill or Jimmy G in terms of the weakest QB left in the postseason. But what do the Niners and the Titans have? Power run game, great guys in the trenches. Get after the quarterback. You know, if, if if you gave one of those two teams a Rodgers, a Josh Allen, a Mahomes, they'd be the favorite. They'd probably they they'd meet in the Super Bowl. Be the overwhelming favorites right now. They probably would have had the buys, both of them. Tennessee did have the buy, even with Tannehill. I I don't know why I even I don't know what it is about the Bengals. Really, is just the quarterbacks. That's it. I I probably should pick the Titans, considering. They're better in the trenches. They're better in the run game. And Cincinnati's kind of beat up in the trenches right now. Tennessee comes to play. They beat the Bills and the Chiefs. The two teams left in the AFC. And then on the other hand, they lost to the Jets and they lost to the Texans. And they, you know, it's like Tennessee. I guess this is the best spot for them because they're playing really good teams in the playoffs. Just call that first playoff game tomorrow the Jets Bowl. The New York Jets, as bad as they are, beat both the Bengals and the Titans this year. All right, before we take a quick phone call, the Cowboys fan. You can read more about this over at ESPNLafayette.com or on the espnlafayette Lafayette app. But the span of, of shots across AT&T Stadium, when it became apparent the Cowboys were in trouble and some of the fans were crying and some of them were just in total denial they had that one shot of this loser with, you know, he kind of had big ears, nothing wrong with that, but he had this giant chain on, had a fresh cut, just totally shaved his head to the sides with a little hair on top, and he's holding this girl in his arms, and he just looks like someone shot his dog. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Right. I mean, he turned into a meme. Well, it was just the beginning of a a weekend of L's for this dude because apparently his girlfriend was not the girl that he was holding. It was a side chick. And being that 41 million people watched the game on TV and that dude with his giant star chain and T-shirt that was way too tight for a guy of his build was getting blasted by her on social media saying, yes, everyone has sent me this. Just another lie from this guy. We're not together anymore. This guy told his girl he was going on a guy's trip. Only to be on national TV and turn into an internet meme for looking like a loser and apparently acting like one, too. Eesh. Check out the full story over on our website. All right, time for a quick phone call before we hit up another break. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing this morning? What's up? Well, i got a lock of the week. and it's not who you're going to think it is, but
7: I think the lock of the week is uh, Tennessee over uh, Cincinnati. Mike Bravo is... Uh, it's very, very, very good coming off a of bye which I think it's eight and zero, and I just think with that defensive alignment of uh, their best run stopper out, I think it's going to make a difference. But I think Tennessee's going to win this game
4: Yeah, I think if, if for Cincinnati to win, it's going to take Tennessee turning the ball over. I do believe that. Um, yeah, I, the Titans are they're they're just. It's just weird I mean they struggle they struggled against teams that were bad and they played really well against teams that were good but they've been kind of dealing with injuries all year and they're coming off of a bye, and they're healthy and Vrabel, for as much of a meathead as he is he's a really smart coach um a really smart coach and Cincinnati's kind of everyone's darling right now and i'll I'll you know I'll be rooting for the Bengals I'm not gonna lie but it does feel like a really tough spot for him, and it feels like a spot that Vrabel loves, right? Because they are favored, and yet most people are not picking him. Most people aren't taking him serious as a contender. They're sitting there as the one seed, and they're like, really? Like, the other two teams left in the playoffs, we've already beaten them. We could do it again, just win. I. It feels like a spot that he wants them in. And even though I picked the Bengals, all I keep all I keep telling myself all the <laughs> The last three hours this morning is I think I like the Titans in this game because it's set up really nice for them. So I think you're onto something there. You know,
7: another thing that you go I think that, uh, the, the fact that the Bengals have given up the most this year and the way Tennessee gets out the path, I
4: think that's another thing. Absolutely, absolutely. It's I mean, again, in the trenches, it's all, all the strengths of the Titans are obvious because you 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 could just not watch a game all year, but if you said. You have all the quarterbacks left. Theirs is probably the weakest. No respect. He's not bad, but he just is what he is. I think everyone would say, well, obviously, if they're the one seed, then they have a strong run game, and they're great in the trenches. And it's like, yeah. And Derrick Henry's back. My thing is, like, Derrick Henry, this dude, he, he meets with the media, and they're like, so how are you feeling? He says, I feel pretty good. Other than, um, you know, the steel plate I have in my foot, I feel great. It's like, wait a minute. You just <laughs> Other than the steel plate I have in my foot, right, is he is his stamina there? Is his conditioning there? Because this is what they want to do. They want to hand tractor Zito the ball, and and just you know, win in the trenches. And if he can if he can be the bell cow that you've seen him be, um, at, you know when he's at his peak, then he might rush for two hundred yards. But if his if the steel plate you know, if he came back from the injury too soon, if his stamina is a little off, maybe that's the window Cincinnati needs. But I, Tennessee loses this game if Ryan Tannehill turns the ball over. If he doesn't, they win. I really think it's that simple.
7: You know, another thing you're going to is forget, uh, when A.J. Brown and Julio don't have played for them, they have that that's their best uh, potential. Right? They, they've even played better without injury. But when Jones and Brown are playing together, that's when
4: they, they got the best one. People overlook that they both playing You have a good weekend.: Thank you. They're both playing. I think Rabel would rather just have, like, you know, three catches from round two for Jones and a whole lot of rushing yards. A whole lot of rushing yards. Trey Hendrickson, cleared concussion Protocol, the Pro Bowler former saint, who will be playing in his ninth playoff game tomorrow. We're going to push back the break and um, put two of them together to end the show so we can keep the phone calls coming in. You guys have been patient this morning. Appreciate the call, Melvin. Let's get back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the great Scott show. Hello. Hey,
2: good morning,
6: Scott. Hey, coach. Hey, just want to mention, in fact, you just mentioned about Derrick Henry. Yeah, you hit it on the head. Wow. Derrick Henry is all of those things you described and, He's an unusual character for me too. I hope that everything is healed and I hope that he's at his best because his team will need him, their fans will need him. And if Derek is I'll take an I'll take an eighty eighty three percent, eighty five percent Derek in tomorrow in this weekend's game. And if they are ready for this, gonna be a battle. Joe Burrow and them now. Let's not uh, X them out. Joe and them they, they're they clicking. The thing I want to see them do is play sound defense and, and try, to, try to limit Tennessee to anything, maybe some field goals. And if they could keep their defense, keep that offense from scoring, Tennessee's offense, join and I truly believe that Joe, Joe, if Joe is hot, Jordan could take this game, the game I'm really interested in is the other one, that AMC game with the Chiefs and the Bills. The Bills fans, they want that, that, that championship. They want to play in that next week. The Bills fans are on a mission again. they trying to win another Super Bowl. I'll wrap it up with this. And they're feeling it. They can go into Kansas City and beat Kansas City this weekend. But here's the thing. Kansas City ain't going to let you come rub them up right now in their own house. So if you want to see a collision, a smash football, y'all pay attention to that Chiefs and Bills game. Whoever wins that game, man, they're going to need some massage and some whirlpool after that game, It's going to be cold. Y'all have a good weekend, guys. Talk to you later.
4: <clears throat> Thank you, Coach. Appreciate the call, man. Whew, a lot of you are just going to be sitting in this weekend watching football because... It is cold. Be careful out there, everybody. Low today is 29. High is 25. It's cloudy. It's windy. 20% chance of showers. Tomorrow morning, the low is 26 degrees. Going to be clear and cold tomorrow. It'll be a little warmer Sunday, but still extremely cold. So if you, uh, if you have some freedom, watch some football, Watch some hoops, as, uh, as Coach Mouton said. Big one at the Cajun Saturday night. Rage the Cajun women's hoops, man. That's, that's, you go on a long road trip, your longest road trip of the season. You had all the way across country to where it's lot colder than it is here. And then you don't even get to play tomorrow. Unfortunately, Coastal Carolina, due to COVID-19 protocols within their program, cannot play that game. And in this case, it's legit. Unlike their football team little over two years ago. I mentioned earlier um, one story I was teasing a little bit, and that is if another coach was heading to Florida from UL, um, Wednesday, Football Scoop reported that Chris Couch, the Louisiana special teams coordinator, was going to be, um, was expected to join Florida in a special teams analyst role. So not a Coordinator slash coaching role, but an analyst role. Which the 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 special teams coordinator at UL before him left UL last year to go to Georgia to be an analyst. So Couch came last year after five years of Tulane special teams coordinator, did a good job. Um, now he hasn't changed anything on his social media. He's still listed on UL's website. He also has not tweeted in nine days, eight days. His last tweet was a retweet of a kid that he was recruiting to come to UL. Um, I have not heard back from UL in terms of if it's accurate, but for what it's worth, that's what football scoop is reporting, which at this point, man, you're in, you're in late January, you know, couches on the road recruiting, this is, this is late, this is late. You think of all the the UL people that went with Napier to Florida: Mark Hockey, Patrick Tony, Jabar Jalouk, Ryan O'Hara, David Decker, Carmichael Dunbar, just to name a few. Players like Osiris Torrance, Montreal Johnson, Cam Waits. Yeah, there were there were a lot of UL fans that early on were like, "All right, I'm I'm gonna be a Gators fan too." Didn't take long for them to uh, change their tune on that. Anyway, enjoy the week and stay warm, watch sports, and pray for, uh, pray for those of us that have very young children and it's too cold to go outside with them and you're just stuck inside for a few days. Man, I bundled up my kids so much. It's freezing one of these days. Not, not like it is now. It was like like, you know, high 30s. Went outside, that wind started blowing. They were, they were so stir crazy. They wanted to get outside of the house and then add them in like three layers. They got outside, went around the block once. They're like, we're done, dad. This is, come on, we're done. Yes, I get it. It's different in the north. I don't care. I don't like the freezing cold. I don't. I'll be watching sports from the comfort of my home where it's nice and warm. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you on Monday. We'll know who the We know we'll know who uh, is playing in the conference championships. We'll see what the Cajuns do against Troy. We'll talk college hoops, plenty of NFL football. Working on some other guests for next week's shows. Can't wait. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay tuned. The Dan Patrick Show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.